Hello, people, and thank you for joining me and my friends on the Game Files podcast. My name is Matthew, and I will be hosting discussions on all things dice throwing, button mashing, page turning, and screen viewing from the past, present, and future of those things that occupy our spare time. Today, we've got two special guests. We've got the lovely Radis. Hello, hello. My parents' house, last day of quarantine, finally. All right, fantastic. And then uh, for the first time on the Game Files, we have Jason. Howdy, Internet. Howdy. Howdy, Interwebs. So today we're going to be uh, going along with our pattern. Uh, we're going to be doing a dice rolling topic of board games. We're just going to kind of have some conversations on, you know, where we got started and where we're going with these with these deals. So starting off, you know, board games are a big part of all of our lives on this show. Um, everybody who's been on it, it's one of our favorite pastimes. Uh, most of the time when we get together, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, having adult beverages or just hanging out uh there's probably a board game that's going to be on the table at some point and it's it's just a big part of our lives and and it's a uh, part of our social atmosphere so kind of getting rolling does anybody want to talk about possibly their first memories playing some board games you want to get rolling Radis? yeah i think a lot of us probably started saying when i did and i was playing monopoly with family I remember playing i can't even tell you age but didn't play it a whole lot because Monopoly is not a uh, family-friendly game. Um, it'll break up families and friends faster than pretty much anything else out there. Played a lot of Monopoly. Don't remember playing a whole lot of other board games. My family was more into the card games. Um, I do remember playing Sorry and all that, but not a lot of really young memories. I guess my biggest memories was finally started hanging out with Jeff and you. And we started playing Risk almost religiously for like six months there. Whether it was in Jeff's garage, my house, your house, uh, we just every anywhere we went, we played Risk. That was a huge thing for like one whole summer. And I just fell in love with just the board games uh, strategy, just uh, just the fact that you can sit down a board game, just kind of forget about the real world and focus on this non-important entertainment in front of you but at the same time with my group of friends it became very competitive as well and has a lot of memories of just calling people out for either dumb moves or calling out people because they caught you in a dumb move that you made so that never happens i never make no. dumb moves ever no never make dumb moves <laughs> <laughs> so jason well where'd you get your start uh so for me it probably goes back to like fourth fifth grade uh my friend david who i grew up with in my neighborhood that I grew up when I was a child, uh, we played a lot of games. Uh, similar to you, Radis, we played Monopoly. But for us, it was always about how do we like take these games and kind of create them into our own. So we were very big on what you would call now like home brewing or house rules, but creating them into something bigger. So example, like Monopoly, we would take Monopoly and combine uh, it with both life and poker. And what we would do is we would take the waterworks and the electricity spaces and turn those into casinos. And nice. if, you landed, if you landed on one of them, you know in life they had like the wheel that spun and that like cardboard strip with the numbers. So you could bet your Monopoly money on which number would come up. And then if you landed on the other one, we would play blackjack and poker. So it just added this other element into the game. Uh, and then from there, David had an older brother. So we were in like fourth, fifth grade at the time. And he had a brother that was probably in seventh, eighth, that was really into D&D &D and specifically Spelljammer, if you're familiar with that one. So it's basically D&D &D in space. So he would play 
uh, with his friends, and then occasionally he'd let us play, but he'd tone it down for us because we were in grade school. So he'd be the DM, and it would be like baseline luck rules. So we only used a 20-sided dice, and it was completely random. So he'd say, do this, roll the 20. We'd roll the 20, and then he'd just make something up and say this was the outcome. But it was a blast, and we loved it. And then from there, it just kind of progressed into the games that we play now. That's awesome. For me personally, board games have been a big part of of my upbringing. Um, Both of my parents uh, taught me how to play different games. And even though, you know, Monopoly existed in our house, um, it it was, you know, it's the game that we played when there was nothing else to do. And it might sound funny, but we get flooded out of our house or something weird like that. That's when we'd bust out that game. But like the strategy game uh, idea, that's been there from the beginning pretty much. My mom uh, taught me how to play Othello, uh, which is, you know, obviously you're just flipping chips around, but there's still a lot of strategy to it. Uh, my dad, um, well, shortly after I learned how to play chess, I found out my dad was basically a like a master chess player. So he kind of took me under his wing a little bit, taught me some defenses and some different things, which I still use to this day when I play. And Jeff still has a hard time getting past that. Uh, but that being said, everything everything kind of kind of morphed into into more strategic games as time went on. You know, there's there's a time and a place to play. You know, like like you know, we keep talking about like Monopoly, Scrabble, those kinds of games. But you know, I'm I'm really looking at like the the strategy side of it and risk. You, you know, you said risk, risk, risk was a big part of uh, part of my life in my you know late tweens, early teens, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you know, it just kind of went from there. So it's it, again, it's it's mostly family in the beginning because we lived in a little 10 house neighborhood with not a whole lot of people around but as time went on and we got driver's licenses we started playing a a heck of a lot more and just kind of doing that thing so kind of going along with with um kind of the the metamorphosis of gaming what would you guys say at this time is your favorite like strategy game like what do you guys like all time and it might be something new it might be something you know, from back in the day, but like, where, where are you looking? What, what's your game? You want to go ahead, Ray? If you're talking just like pure strategy, uh, I fell in love with Twilight Imperium. I don't think there's any game out there right now that can even compete with that just because of the, the so many facets of that game. Not only, yes, it is, can be a war combat game. Is it always going to be a war combat game? No. Are you going to win doing war combat? Not necessarily. Because then you not only have that moving around your spaceships, taking planets, but then there's a political aspect, and then there are built into the game where you make alliances and allegiances to other players that can be beneficial to you, that you can enter around and break and either screw over the other player or end up hurting yourself inadvertently. It's just so much to that game. But because that game is got so much, it is also very daunting to a new player when you sit down this box. The only other box that I've ever seen that I've seen physically scare a, a fairly new board gamer would be Gloomhaven, which is probably my <laughs> second favorite strategy game right now, um, whereas Twilight Imperium is a everyone for themselves to win. Um, Gloomhaven is a story-driven D&D-style strategy board game with an ongoing scenario. So those two right now are my top two. Now, both of them are fairly new. Um, Twilight Imperium's what, fifth, fourth edition now? Um, yeah, I think fourth edition. To have their yeah. first expansion out next year from Kickstarter, so it's been out for maybe two or three years. But just 
going from risk as a kid, very basic, you've got five units, I'm going to invade your area with ten. I roll my three dice, you roll your two, and we just keep doing that, to now where it's, okay, I've got a dreadnought versus your two cruisers and four of these. Do I really want to take those on? Nope. So I'm going to bring in other stuff and move over here and fortify. It's just board games have just come so far. And I can't wait to see what uh, new strategies. I can't wait to see what both of those games I listed do in their next editions. So, For sure. What are you thinking, Jason? I'm going to piggyback a lot off what Rada said. I would agree. I mean, Gloomhaven, excellent game. Uh, it's more in my wheelhouse because I enjoy strategy games that are more corruptly based versus one person take all. With that being said, Twilight Imperium is a magical beast. It's just, when you talk about a game of epic scope, it's Twilight Imperium. Uh, Matt, you and I had a conversation last week about this idea. I was floating about a huge Twilight Imperium team tournament. Like, the things that you can do with that game are just grand. Uh, But I also enjoy things that are scaled back a little bit. So one game that I really enjoy that some people might say has more luck than skill, but I really like the tactics that come with it, is HeroScape. So if you're familiar with that, it came out in the early 2000s. It's a minis on a hex map type deal where you have different types of squads. They have different abilities. Think Warhammer, uh, entry level. Uh, Very easy, some dice rolling that can affect your outcomes, but it's just a fun, quick tactic game. Yeah, and and (laughs) going going back to the Twilight Imperium, I guess we all have you know a a love affair with it. This is the group we play it with, pretty much. (laughs) For for the listeners out there, just realize we we all recommend the game. Uh, It should not be your first strategy game you ever play. Unless you just want to dive into concrete headfirst. That being said, you have, you know, it takes a long time to set up. It takes a long time to play. So it's one of those things you you need to sit back and and take that time, possibly two days, depending on the situation. If you want to break, you're it committing up. a minimum six to eight hours. Get, yeah, guaranteed. Unless yeah. You, unless you play like the, the three player that did that did go pretty quick the one time we did that, but. Yeah, it's a it's just a fantastic game, and and one of the things I loved about it, I haven't played the fourth edition version of it, but I I basically had every expansion of the third edition. One of the things I loved about it was how obviously it's modular. You, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you're not necessarily going to play the same game twice ever, but you can kind of bring in bring in aspects of it or leave aspects out if you don't like them. There's a lot of the you know, a lot of the expansions had different units that you're like, well, we're gonna we're gonna play with uh cat with the um, uh, flagships, ships. yeah, yeah. Cap, we're we're gonna we're gonna play with those or we're not gonna play with those, or you know, we're gonna play with you know certain aspects like every planet has certain things on it when you when you go into it. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes they have mines. It's it, it's basically just whatever you want to do. You know, if you want to play every single rule available, good for you. But you know, if you want to expedite it, you might not want to do that. I do look forward to playing the fourth, edi- fourth edition and seeing what they streamlined because it, it does get a little convoluted and complicated with all of the expansions. Now, to go along with that, they have a kind of um, condensed version of it called Imperium Rex, which only took us, what was it, an hour? And, I think it was an hour and a half yeah, to it was play. Under, yeah, it was, under, it was under two. 
Yeah, and so. it was still a heck of a lot of fun. It still had a lot of the aspects, the races in that were in Twilight Imperium, but it did have a condensed version of it. So um, definitely love that. As far as uh, game, other games that I really enjoy, the Clank series is great. Clank in Space is fantastic. Um, that's a great game that if you want if you want a competitive game yet you want people to really get into it right away that's that's what it is it's 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 hilarious um everything's all the cards are a parody of you know different you know different sci-fi genres and and that kind of thing um but it is a deck builder and you just work your way getting treasure and hopefully you don't wake up uh the monster to kill everybody but it's a lot of fun there and then kind of going back there's you know we keep talking about games that are super long sometimes i like the games that are relatively quick and then uh with that one it's uh shards of infinity is a game i really love right now it's a another one of the deck builders but it's a very quick play um you learn you can learn the rules very quickly um you can play up to four players and just and get a game done in you know, maybe 20 minutes. So um, if you don't have a lot of time or you want to do that, that is fantastic. So I would just give it a shot. So we're talking about the games that we love and, and uh, you know, the games, how we got into it. Uh, do you guys have any, like, special memories or, or maybe, you know, times you screwed somebody over or something that, you know, made you, like, uh, have, have a good memory and something that you enjoy talking about as far as a game? Well, I'm just going to put this to bed now so we don't spend 15 minutes on it, and this will be an inside joke for a few people who know about it, but Jeff out the Jeff out the airlock will always be a great memory. We'll just leave that there, though. It's just too long to talk about. Um, I think probably one of my favorites is just the fact that another one of my favorite games, which I know Matt doesn't like because he won't get into this style of games, but the Arkham Horror game. Uh, that game is designed to beat your head into cement no matter how good you are. Um, I have played that game multiple, multiple times. The last time I played it was at a con. A buddy of mine had every single one of the expansions. So we set that game up and we played a 12-player version of this game. Now, we started at like 10 in the morning. And at this con, the convention itself isn't great. But at 10, 10.30 in the evening, the party starts. And the party goes to about 4 or 5 in the morning. This is every night of the con. So we started playing this game at 10 in, the after, 10 in the morning, got it all set up, got it going. We had 12 people, and we're just sitting there, and we're just barely hanging on this game the entire time. We're just having so much fun just being like, oh, we're going to lose this round, and then all of a sudden just something happens. And then we're all just sitting there, and all of a sudden the con-going women start walking by the playing hall. And all of a sudden you just watch all these 12 guys who have been into this game for eight hours slowly start looking up at the hall, looking down at the board going, you know, I don't know if it's Cthulhu that's going to kill me or that girl walking by right there, but I hope it is her. So for like the last hour of the game, I don't think we got through one round, but it was just all day, just had so much fun of the game laughing and then just to have a, a con party just kind of ended because we all just got to a point like, all right, we're either going to win in one more round or we're going to lose. And the beer started flowing and we're like, nope, we're done, pack it up. And, but it was just a, a great day where we didn't even get to finish a game, which I don't recommend anyone out there ever play Arkham Horror with every expansion, unless you're willing to dedicate three straight days to it. Nice. Um, but so, so did you? Did you just de- such a? Did you determine ahead. who won? Like, did you like even oh, no, odd? We, even we odd. totally lost. <laughs> no, no, we just we just we're sitting there like okay, so we got one more round. It's like we've got two portals on it. We've got a person in each portal. We've got like one or two left on the Doom Tracker before we lose anyway. 
And then the costume started walking by. I'm like, nope, let's just start packing it up. But, you know, it was just a fun day for, the, for that board game. Board game that I would still love to be able to sit down and seriously do that one time with, like, four players. Um, but that's probably one of my favorite memories. And it really isn't about the board game, which most of this isn't really about the board game, but it's about the people around the board game and the, the times we were having the inside jokes around it and everything that went on. Oh, yeah. What do you got, Jason? I got a, I got a couple memories. Uh, one is really recent. Uh, so ever since the, the quarantine, the COVID crisis, uh, the three of us with a couple of our other friends have started a D&D campaign. So in that campaign, I'm DMing, and then we've got you guys as part of the party and a couple of other our friends. Uh, Dave, who hasn't been on this podcast yet, but is newer to gaming, uh, but he's really gotten into it. He enjoys it. And this is his first time ever playing a role-playing game. So he's learning, but he just keeps making the worst decisions and they're hilarious. He does. So following the rogue was the best idea. So if the I'll rogue just, had known he was going to do it. <laughs> I'll just kind of lay out real quickly what happened. Uh, on one of your guys' first dungeon crawls, Dave decides to go around a corner on his own. He goes himself. And he gets kidnapped. Uh, he gets beat pretty bad. Luckily, you guys were able to come in and save him. The next day, Matt sends a picture to the group, and it's like the 20 rules every D&D player should follow. And number one is never split up the party. <laughs> so every time we're playing, when somebody's about to do something that goes against those rules, Dave quickly interjects, and he's like, no, rule number four says this. And <laughs> if the DM asks if you're sure, you don't do that thing. So... Let's fast forward to this last Thursday night. We're playing. <laughs> Ray is trying to like sneak around this group that they're in combat with to get a better angle to sneak up behind somebody because he's a rogue. He can do that. Uh, Dave decides to also sneak around kind of a different direction. In full plate uh, mail. <laughs> doesn't realize that there's yeah. traps that Ray had found. And it was just, it's one of those things that was hilarious. Uh, if, if you play D&D and you understand those things and you know Dave. Uh, one of the other memories that I have that I always love, I talked a little bit earlier about hybrid gaming, and that was always kind of something I got into. So anything that ever had minis or conflict, I was always into when I was getting into gaming. Even still, a game can be awful, and if it's got great minis, they're like, oh, I want to buy it. You know, It's just that's my weakness in gaming. Uh, so I had Hero Quest growing up. I had the original Fireball Island, loved both those games, and my friend Dave and I would always make these hybrid games. So we took Hero Quest, Fireball Island, and this game called Forbidden Bridge and just combined them all together into one massive game that we used to play all the time, where you would start on Fireball Island. Anytime you would get to a cave, it would turn into a castle and you'd have to go through the Hero Quest board. And anytime you'd cross one of the bridges, instead of the Fireball coming down, I had this game called Forbidden Bridge that had like an animated bridge that would shake and shake the minis off. So <laughs> it was just this really cool hybrid game that we'd come up with over time. What about uh, Triple D? Oh, well, Triple D is the greatest game of all time. Uh, so <laughs> a few of us like to fancy ourselves bad board game designers. And if you ever used to watch Board James on, uh, I think it's Cinemassacre. So he reviews old board games, and it's, they're hilarious. It's the same guy that does Angry Video Game Nerd. Uh, he had a game he created called Deadly Danger Dungeon, which was an impossible board game. So Matt and I were toying around with it one day, and I was like, I think I can do this. 
but actually make it into like a real game. And so I added a lot of like pop culture references and added some actual mechanics into it. Matt, you and I have played it a ton. A couple and dozen I times. Think, I think we've beat it maybe twice. Like it's nearly impossible. It holds up to um, never lost. What the game is? You did play <laughs> once, Ray. That's right. You did, and I won one. it. I think you've won, and Matt's won one time. I won it the first time, uh, and then never again. I mean, it's literally no. there's games where you die, your three lives are gone like two minutes into the game. But it's just it's there's there's instant death cards. There's traps. I mean, there's just a million ways to die and. To win, you basically just have to have an unbelievable series of good rolls. Yeah, it's it's one hundred percent pure luck. But it's so fun. I just, I still want to I still want to put money on it though. Like have like a little pot every time we play. We throw a buck in until somebody wins it and they get the pot. That'd be funny. It'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So man, there's a there's a lot of a uh, lot of great memories. Um, I mean, Triple D has, has had some fantastic ones. Um, so we were playing um, Risk Legacy. So a friend of ours, Paul, uh, got me that for my birthday, and it, and it literally sat in my on my shelf probably for a good year before we played it. So one day we got five people together, and we figured out, we're okay, we're going to give this a shot. So we did, and we played five games. And I'm not going to say some of the things that were said because it's wildly inappropriate. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, as far as what certain places were named and those that kinds board of things. Game can never see the light of day. No, never. Um but there was one time where uh <laughs> where I could have basically finished off Paul, but I decided not to because I wanted Paul to finish off Jeff. And so Paul and I made a truce uh to not attack each other and Paul broke that truce horribly and steamrolled the entire game and, and destroyed Jeff, but then continued on with me. Even though I lost that game, it was so much fun that Jeff lost because that's that's the name of every game when he plays. It's Jeff has to lose. Doesn't matter who wins, he just has to lose. So as much as we pick on him, as as far as it goes, it's it's worth it. We need to just do that all the time. Now, um, <laughs> this isn't necessarily a favorite memory, but we were playing Twilight Imperium, and you know, very first round of the game, everybody's kind of spreading out, spreading out their territory. You know, I take a couple of ships, uh, go in one direction. Uh, our friend Stacy is kind of, you know, uh, uh, in a he's the ter- in the territory right next to it, and because my ships were facing his direction. He considered that an act of war. So, so, so then he, he quite literally declared war on me because my ships were pointing in his direction, which is funny because I had no intention of actually going to war with him, at least not at that point in time. And, and, and I just, we were sitting there arguing. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, your ships are pointing at me. It's an act of war. Well, yeah, but yeah. So he just, you know, we basically... Mutually genocided each other, and I think uh, it was either you or Paul won that one, right? So, yeah, I don't remember. But I just remember that. Yeah. So knowing joke in our group now. Yeah. So knowing both of those guys, both those stories make perfect sense. Yeah. Like knowing Paul and him being like, you know what? I'm just going to screw you over right away and let you know about it, and I'm going to win. 
Yeah. Because that's usually how it works. Yep. And then Stacy literally taking something as small as your ship's pointing at me. That's an act of war. We have to fight now. Like that is Stacy to a T. It is. And it was, it's hilarious. Now there, I have one more special memory with, uh, with Twilight Imperium. Similar situation, except for it wasn't Stacy. It was Pat. Yeah. yeah. So Pat de- so Pat decided to to attack me uh 100% unprovoked. And I didn't care if I won that game. I wanted to wipe him off the map, which I did. And he got all poopy pants and went home and I don't care because it's Pat. The end. <laughs> yeah. So with with the games that we, you know, that we're playing and Obviously, with uh, what's going on in the country right now, we haven't been able to get together a lot as far as being able to play those games. Hopefully, we can remedy that here pretty soon. But so. um, what you know, we've talked about favorite memories. What are what are some of your least favorite memories? And you can kind of go ahead and segue and put least favorite games in there because we're going to throw some of these guys under the bus. That's a tough question because even when a game's apples bad, to apples. Like even when a game, even when a game's bad, though, like I still enjoy the experience of playing games uh, and, and just hanging out with my friends and having that experience. Doesn't mean I'm probably going to play that game ever again, but the experience is still enjoyable. So it, to say I had a bad gaming experience is tough. Uh, other than Cards Against Humanity. Like it's yeah. a it's a funny game, but my God, how many times has it been played? It's like every time somebody doesn't have something to do, let's play Cards Against Humanity. It gets old. Yeah, it does. I'll, I'm gonna, yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to give you that. You play the same four or five people. It's the same seven jokes every time. You know, it's 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 always you know. And granted, yeah, it could be fun, and with the right uh, external influences on it, it could be a fun time. But yeah. When you sit down and you've got like six or seven people, it's like, okay, where are we going to play? And in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, someone's going to say it. And it's like, no, 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 no. There it is. Yeah. It's always it's like, mentioned by the person that's only ever played it one time and thought it was the greatest game ever. And I will agree. Like the first time you play it, you're like, this is awesome. Like if you're playing with a good group that can take a joke and doesn't get offended, yeah. it's a great time. But after you've done that several times, it gets old because there's no strategy or, you know, it's, to me, it's not a game. It's just, it's, you're drinking, it's something fun to do, but it gets old after a while. It's, it's a drinking game. It's, it's quarters. It's except yeah. for with raunchy humor. So yeah. it's not something where you can sit down and go, you know, let's play board games. Let's pick this game. In my opinion, for a true board game group, they're probably not going to pick that. Now, a group of six or seven people hanging out, drinking, and want something other than just sitting there staring at each other and talking, then yeah, it's, it, it's a great experience because you can have the conversations on it. You really don't focus on what's going on on the table. But for sitting down and playing board games, it is definitely not on my list of anything I enjoy doing. Yeah, for for me, um, I, I am an ultra-competitive person. Like Whether it's uh, you know me versus everybody else at the table, or even if it's a co-op game, you know, playing uh, Pandemic or something like that, I I want to win. Like that's that's that was bred into me from day one. So when when you get around a group of people and you decide to play a game like Settlers of Catan, and only maybe one or two people are competitive, the rest just want everybody to have a good time. So a game that should take an hour and a half takes three to four hours because nobody wants to win. 
because they just want everybody to have a good time. That is a nightmare scenario for me. So because of that, if I can help it at all, I will. it's a great game. The, the, the strategy of it is fantastic, but Settlers of Catan, I'm out. I'm just done. I don't want to play it ever again because people ruined it for me, like my wife, and that's okay. I forgive her. But, yeah, I'm kind of done with that one for now. Great game. Never going to yeah, play it again. It, yeah, I'm excited. There's a lot of those games that are the, the quicker games that people burn out. Like, I enjoyed Dungeon Mayhem. Last night, so. It's a great game. It's a great 10 to 15 minutes game. And it's a great game to play for an hour, hour and a half. You have four or five rounds and everyone has a good time. But it's that's one of those games where it's like, okay, if the same group of people sit down again next time and we do the same things, like, all right, that's not too bad. But there's only maybe two or three times before that game's going to get burned out. Whereas that game is more what I would call like a con game. It's a game that you can play in 10 or 15 minutes that you take to fill in time. It's like, hey, we're going to play X game, but someone's not going to be here for a half hour. What do we want to do? Oh, let's go ahead and just play a couple rounds of this while we're waiting. It's easy to set up. It's easy to pick up. It's you know not a huge time constraint. But again, going back to the statement about uh, Cards Against Humanity, to sit down for a board game night that's unless we were sitting down playing, you know, 20 different games that all take 15, 20 minutes each, we're going to play each one more or two times. That's great. But to sit down and play that game for two or three hours would not be a fun time in my mind. Because again, it's one of those only so many things can happen in that one evening with the same players. So after about the third or fourth game, you're pretty much just seeing the same thing. You really know what everyone's going to do. Even when you start mixing up like we did for the hour that we played, it was just it. I enjoyed it. loved it. And wouldn't have changed it. But it's not something that, again, the next time you get to the board games, it's not going to be one of the games like, hey, let's play that. Unless we had downtime. You know, someone's like, hey, I'm going to go run and get food real quick and we'll come back and continue. Hey, okay, cool. We can set that up and play that game off to the side. Um, so, there's, But there's so many games like that that are good in small doses. I think it hands that. I think Apple to Apples, which you mentioned, is that. I think Cards Against Humanity can be that. Um, but just so many times you'll get into a group and then, someone will latch onto that game. And I've done it. I've played board games that I've loved. And it's like, hey, I want to play this again and again and again. And I know I try not to do that because I don't want to burn people out on the same board game. But just sitting down playing the same board game every time you get into a, a game night can burn out any game, including Twilight Imperium or, you know, Arkham, any of the games that you love to play. So, you know, that's why I think you have to have either between you and several friends a decent amount of selections for any kind of a tr- traditional board game night. So that way, each time you play, you're playing something different. Even if it's the same style of game, you know, you'd be playing Risk, and then next week you play Twilight, and then next week you play Strategio. You know, it's all the same style of game, same basic, but they're different enough to where it's not burning any of them out. And luckily, today's society, just looking at Board Game Geek here, there's 100 board games here, you know, they're top 100. It never, there's at least 50 of them that are completely different than each other. So, you know, for whatever board game you want, if, you know, within reason, because some of these are expensive, if you have a board gaming group, there's enough out there to be like, okay, this week we're going to do deck builders, and next week we're going to do machine building. But that's just a, a genre of deck builders. There's all kinds of different ones out there from DC deck building to Marvel deck building to all the legendary stuff, which gets into like uh, Big Trouble in China or Encounters. Clank's a deck builder. And then you get into like engine building, which is a really obscure game. I haven't got to play it, watch a couple uh, videos on it. Nothing I would buy but Wingspan. Or uh, terraforming Mars. These are, you know, are great games and so different from anything else you would play. Most of them are within fifty or sixty bucks. So, you know, if you get a group of five or six people that play, and each person spends a hundred bucks and picks up two different board games, you can have such a variety of games 
it should never really get burned out on anything. Yeah, and 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 with our sorry, that was a rant. That's okay. It's fine. And like, and with our group, I mean, you were just talking about you know two people, or if uh, each person buys a couple of games, you know, I mean that that's you know there's the variety there, which that's one of the things we're very fortunate in our group because I I mean all of us have probably a stupid amount of board games, and what's yeah. what's nice is I mean we we have some overlap where you know we'll we'll each a game is so good that we want to have it in our respective places in this country. Yeah. I mean, there, there's very little overlap, and that's what's funny because when you come up uh, from from St. Louis, it's you know you'll you have a trunk full of games that I don't have, or you know I've got all of them on my shelf. Or Paul comes over with a you know five or six games, or you know Jay. Every time I go to your place, you're like, hey, let's check out this new you know this new game, and it's like you know, and, and most of them are fantastic. That's what's great. I mean, we live in an age where there's such a variety of these games. And it's, you know, it's all social and it's not, you know, it, you can still be super competitive and you can have co-op games, you can have strategy games, you can have just beautiful games. Um, it's just, it's amazing what's out there these days. And I love well, it. And to kind of expand on that, like it's what Ray was talking about, it's become so much more accessible now too. Like when we got into gaming, uh, and I'm not even talking about like when we were young, but even just. 10 years ago when we were like really kind of getting into gaming, you had to go to a gaming store or hobby shop to get most games. If you wanted anything yep. decent, or if you even wanted to know what was out there, you had to have a game shop in your area. If you didn't have a game shop, you didn't have access to games. Uh, and now you go into Target, and they don't have the greatest selection in the world, but Target's game selection is decent, uh, and then you even take, like, Ray, you were talking about Gloomhaven, which is a spectacular game. But if you're new to the hobby, that game, let alone just learning it, is intimidating. But just looking at it, that box oh, yeah. is <laughs> massive. I, box. I have Gloomhaven. It's like 150 bucks. The box is as big as one of my children. It's <laughs> massive. You know, that's an intimidating game. But the maker of Gloomhaven just recently came out with Gloomhaven Jaws the Lion, which is yeah. a lower barrier entry point. It's it's essentially Gloomhaven light. It's got a much smaller price point. It's a little bit trimmed down, uh, but it gets people into the game. And then if you like that and you learn how I to play to... it, you might buy Gloomhaven. Yeah, and also I think with Gloomhaven Jaws the Lion, I believe that's being sold at Target. I mean, don't quote me on that, but I think it's being sold at Target. Jaws of the Lion is a Target exclusive if you don't get it online. Yeah, for, yeah, for now. Because um, I backed Frost Haven, which is Gloomhaven 2, um, and they were just talking about that. Yeah. So. Frost Haven was insane. Like, it hit it hit a million dollars in like a couple hours when it li- yep. went live on Kickstarter. It was insane. Yep. And I think it ended at like almost $8 million funded. Something like that. It was ridiculous. So you know, I know and- I backed it at the highest highest level. And that brings up the only game I ever backed on Kickstarter. Yeah, and that brings up a, a really interesting point, actually, as far as as the the creation of of so many different board games. Where you know back you know back in the day, you had to have a backer to to do it, or you you know I mean you're spending all this time of your life creating this thing, and then hopefully you know you have enough people that buy it to at least recoup some expenses, or maybe make enough money to get some ramen for a year. 
but with with the uh, with the ability of, of putting things on like Kickstarter and you know seeing if there's interest out there and seeing if people can back it or you know how many copies are basically going to be sold right out of the gate and just kind of knowing where you're at. I mean, I think that's actually fantastic, especially for the newer creators of board games, which hopefully one day I'll actually have mine finished, but, you know, we'll see. Um, but, you know, some friends of ours as well uh, that, you know, have some pretty good games uh, that are, you know, I'd say at least in beta testing, if not, you know, almost ready to publish, you know, I'd have to talk to them first, but... Um, but it's just really neat how you go on there and there's all these different games and you can back them or not back them. And, and, you know, you can get stuff as soon as it comes out because that's, that's really where we're at right now. It's, you know, you, you have the two, there's kind of two different paths that, you know, I think people are taking these days as far as gaming and I'm not saying board games, just gaming, you know, you have the groups that are still doing console gaming and, and doing, you know, they have their headsets, they're playing Fortnite, they're doing all the different things, whatever. But then you have, you know, another group that's more into the social aspects of the board of board gaming. And I mean, there is there are ways you can play board games online, so it's not just exclusively in person. But it's just it's it's like buying, you know, buying a new board game is like when I was a kid and the new title for you know, the Super Nintendo came out that you've been wanting and you got to go get it right away because you want to play it right away. It's the same way with board games these days. And it's, it's kind of, it's just, it's a fantastic time to live as far as gaming goes, because there's just so, so much variety. And I, I don't see it stopping. I, I, there's just so much out there. I mean, I, the market is saturated, but I, it's, there's a niche for that. And I think it's just going to keep going. Yeah. And I think with the saturation, it's at that point where, there's so much out there that the cream is going to rise and eventually the smaller, just like video games, the smaller, I don't want to say crappier games, but the games that are less popular and maybe are, are, you know, didn't have as much time and development as they needed. Those are going to kind of fall off to the side. Those are going to be the ones that aren't going to make it to the shelves on your local stores. They're not going to get the online, you know, yes, you might be able to find them on Amazon or whatever, but just like I said, Board Game Geek is a great webpage for just looking at board games. They have a top 100, which is voted on by everyone who goes to the webpage and wants to. So, you know, those games are going to fall off there once people start realizing, hey, this game may have only been 10 bucks, but you really can tell that they spent 10 bucks worth of development on it. So I think with the oversaturation, I think we're at that point where it's like, okay, there's a lot out there, and you may have to dig through some stinking board games to get to some of the better ones. But I think there's so many more good games that you're not going to get into something like, man, I bought $200 for board games. I hate all of them. Now, you're going to spend $200 for board games. You're going to maybe not like one of them, but you're going to love the rest of them. But I think we're at that point where the only way it can go is those lower tier games are going to go one of two ways. They can go away or they're going to get better, which hopefully they stay lower tier, you know, the $10, $15 games, but they're just better developed. Um, Costs come down. So, you know, the quality of the game is great. Um, There's several card games i bought that i've loved the game but the manufacturing just didn't spend the money for a good stock so the board game falls apart the cards tear get wet and are destroyed so i've had to buy a couple different copies um and that that i think hurts the gaming industry because you have such a great game but it's like, all right it's 10 bucks play it three times and now you got to replace it because of card bent or card you know and i think with as many board games are out there now that target's picking it up so you know it's not just the gaming the the gaming stores that are carrying them I think you'll start to see that the saturation will kind of level out 
but you're going to hopefully see that lower end come up. So, okay, a $10 game is still a $10 game, but now quality card's better. The quality of art's better. Why? Because now they can put it in Target and sell it to, you know, 10 times the audience that they could if they just do it on Amazon, where, you know, now a parent's walking through the toy aisle and sees the game. I don't think Pandemic's selling a whole lot through Target that way, but it is there. So for people like us walking through and like, holy crap, I can pick up Pandemic at Target for 25 30 bucks instead of having to run over to TSY. And that, shop. and that is a fantastic game for that for that price point. Oh, oh that's a fanta- that's a fantastic game, double the price point. That's, yeah, in my opinion, it's probably still the best co-op strategy game because of the fact that it's easy to pick up. It's chess, where it's checkers and chess together. Very easy to pick up, almost impossible to master, and you will lose more than you will win, but you will enjoy every game of it. Yeah, and you have to lose, so. otherwise it's going to be boring. Well, you're talking uh, legacy. I'm just saying in general, like co-op games. Oh, okay, yeah, co-op yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, there's not the you have to yeah, lose. There's not a chance of losing if it's if it's that easy of a game to where you know, or if you got a group that already knows here's every single move, um, which is really what I had against like Forbidden Island, which again is a fantastic game and it's a great game to get people into it. But if you got a hardcore group of four people who know exactly what they need to do, you're gonna win 99 percent of that game. Yeah. Doesn't take away from the game because, again, not everyone has a, a, a hardcore strategy group of four friends. So even if you're a beginner or you know you've got a couple people who aren't who don't like strategy games, but can get into this because it's a co-op, you know. So I think that happened the last time we played Pandemic. We like a third of the way through the game, we plotted out essentially everything that was going to happen as long as like XYZ card didn't pop up. Like we're going to do this and this and this, and this is going to happen. I'm going to give you this and boom, game one. Right. Yeah. That's the way most pandemic games end, but it is all about that. As long as X, Y, or Z doesn't pop up out of the deck, but we just played a game is, of legacy. It is a fun game. I do enjoy it. Yeah. Our last, not our last, our last session of legacy. We had our second game. Like, Hey, we've got this under contract. As long as one card doesn't come up very next card. Was Boom. the card completely yep. went went from winning within two players' turns to losing and losing horribly. It was bad. Well, so, yeah, it was yeah two uh, two players. It was a cascade. Yeah, there yeah. we had, in two players we had the game. I mean, and and the board was relatively clear, and I mean, we were in good shape. All right, yeah, and then we lost Double instantly. Cascade on the same same <sighs> area. It was so brutal. But but then again, like, again, that's why we love the games. It's because yep. you're not necessarily going to win, and if, right. yeah, if you win all the time, it's just going to be boring. So I have a question for the group, and this sure. was triggered off something Ray said earlier. Is there a game that you have not played and you also refuse to play? Hmm. That I have not played and I refuse to play. I mean, and if you refuse to play it, why? It's easy for Matt. Well, for me, yeah, for me, it's pretty much anything with with the Arkham horror games. For for me, it's you know, it's a faith thing, uh, and it, it is what it is. I just don't. To no judgment to people who play it, by all means, rock and roll no. and and have fun. But it's just not for me. I it just yeah. I I don't like messing with that mythos. Uh, and, you know, I support you on that. Like I said, that's one of my favorite sci-fi genres, and I will never push it on you, so you, you understand that. Exactly what I'm saying. I don't know that it actually is a board game that I just hardly refuse to play that I'm aware of. Somebody might sit down some in front of me, like, yeah, that doesn't look fun, but I don't think there's anything. Just kind of like, like looking at a list of games here, and like everything that's on this list 
have either played, want to play, own, or have never even heard of. What What about you, Jay? What do you got? You're the one who asked so, the question. For me, this this question was triggered by a game that Ray said just a little bit ago, and that's Wingspan. So <laughs> I have heard nothing but absolutely amazing things about Wingspan. People rave about the gameplay, the quality of the game, the aesthetics, the artwork. It's just supposed to be this amazing, beautiful game that is a lot of fun. My problem with it is it's about bird collecting and bird watching, and I just can't get into it simply on that. I don't <laughs> care <laughs> played it. Yeah. how great of a game it is. I don't want to play a game about collecting birds. Like, for me, I'm very much about theme. Like I, I've said before, if a game has minis, I'm into it. It doesn't have to be a good game. If it's got dudes on a map, I probably want to play it. Uh, and that's just my preference. That's what I enjoy. I like things with conflict. If, it's, if it has anything to do with, like, Mad Max-type apocalypse, yes. I'm in. Done. Done. I'll buy it. So, I mean, it, that's just my pet peeve. Well, I, I agree. There are games out there, Wingspan would fall into that, where the theme doesn't enthuse me. Um, but I'm willing to, like I said, willing to give the game a chance. Uh, I have not played Wingspan. I, I've watched a couple other YouTube channels, and they, they've said the same thing. Beautiful game. Gorgeous game. Components are great. Everything's great. The uh, engine building mechanics of it are very well designed, but it is all about birds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, it's just boring. They're like, the, the, the theme of it is not that great. Um, oh, you won! The, You're the best bird collector. Good job. <laughs> yeah, and even the video, guy, the video that I watched, the guy's like, "I love birds. Uh, birds are one of my hobbies." And he goes, "And this theme on this board game does not excite me." But he's like, "But the board game itself is beautiful. The mechanics are great, but just the overall theme is just doesn't doesn't fit very well." So yeah, there are themes out there. Um, trying to think of one off the top of my head right now that just doesn't really appeal to me. There really isn't, but I don't know. Like I said, well, you'll pretty there. much try anything once. For the most yeah. part, I mean, say, yeah, I've gone to enough conventions and be wandering around a dealer's room, and someone's like, "Hey, try out my new pirate ship games." Like, okay, what is this? All right, you have pirate ship, and you shoot rubber bands at each other. I'll play. It's like, okay, that's interesting. Nothing I'll ever buy. So I played it. Um, For sure. Yeah, and I just, I, I guess, I've gotten in that mindset where I don't want to turn away any game based off any any pre-concepts because you just never know what game you're going to sit down and go, yeah, this doesn't look fun. And then you play it once, you're like, holy crap, i got to have a copy of this. Where can I get a copy of this? You know, I've just seen it with too many other players. I've seen people, it's like, oh, I hate Twilight Imperium. I have several friends who's like, oh, I hate these kind of games. And they sit down and play Twilight Imperium. They still don't really get into the full concept, but they love the game just because it's, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous. It's, the concept of, of the play is fairly easy since it's like, okay, on your turn, you can take your one action. Everyone takes one action once everyone passes and move on. Um, they don't really get into the whole strategy just because they don't play strategy games, but they still enjoy the game. Like, wow, actually, yeah, I'll play that multiple times. Whereas they first looked and like, no, not, no idea. My parents, since being in COVID, I've gotten them to play Clank in Space once or twice. That's awesome. And how they um, like it? My mom picked up. They enjoyed it. My, my dad was like, oh, I didn't know what was going on the entire time. He's the one who won both games. <laughs> but I just got them to play Outer Rim uh, last weekend. I'd never played it, just bought it, hadn't got a chance to play it. That's so the it Star Wars one, correct? Yeah, the Star Wars one. Um, just a complete learning experience out of the box for everybody. By the end of the game, my mom was screwing my dad over 
and making sure he couldn't win the game. Nice. Not that I pointed out anything. She had stuff that she had gotten access to, and my dad was within one point of winning. And my dad went to get a drink, and my mom's looking at her cards, and she got this evil grin in her, her face, and she's like, okay, i got to wait. <laughs> my dad came back. She goes, hey, so I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to play this card, which takes that away from you. It's now you're no longer favored by the hut, so you can't do that now. And my dad just looks at her and goes, so you're not going to let me win? She's like, no. <laughs> now, granted, this was also at 1230 at night, and we've been playing since oh, wow. 9, 930. And my dad's like, well, what's going to be done? We could go to bed. She's like, no, you can't win. And they love the game. I tried to get them to play it again, but the timing's just not been good for the last week. But they sure. enjoyed it. And they picked it up, and like we played a couple of things wrong. But after probably the first hour, which was like two rounds, they were moving. Like we, we went from an hour, 30 minutes around to five to 10 minutes around. And they were, I wasn't helping them with anything other than just like, okay, this is this round. Now we're doing that. And we're doing that. And they were just, they were on it. So very easy to pick up. And like I said, they looked in like, oh, we're probably not going to have fun. By the end of it, they were both laughing. One thirty in the morning when we finished. That's funny. Yeah. So let's uh you know let's kind of start wrapping this guy up. So uh, final question before we do plugs. So if there was one board game that's out of print or something from when you were a kid that you can't find or whatever that uh, you would love for them to do a reprinting or you know maybe an update, what would that be? Uh, for me, it's Hero Quest. I mean, that was kind of. When I was young, that was my big game. It was really my first game that had like all the minis and, you know, different. It was more than just a board game to me. It was Dungeons and Dragons, but the board game version of it. And I loved it. I had a copy of it, uh, lost it through uh, a move transition in high school. And uh, my wife bought me a copy for Christmas a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, I remember this. Uh, she was going to surprise me for Christmas, track down like a complete, like really good condition one. And she was so proud of herself for it too. It, like, and she spent a lot of money on it. It never showed up. It never showed up. She's following up with the post office and tracking. And like after like two weeks of investigation, we found out that the mail truck that was carrying the package got in a crash and caught on fire and everything burned up. <laughs> That's fantastic. So um, it, it's just hard to, I've found copies, but I buying something on eBay. You're always so, even when it says complete in box, you just never a hundred percent sure. And it's a lot of money to spend on something. You're not a hundred percent sure on. Oh yeah, for sure. You got anything, Radis? No, I'm trying to think and trying to look at lists. So many of the board games I play have been just reprinted. I don't, younger and like you know '90s and all that didn't really play any uh, like, like oddball board games that were out of print. Everything I've played is pretty much still being printed. Uh, Hero Quest would be a cool one to be reprinted. I definitely agree with that. I played that in Eber with a buddy of mine down there and really loved it. Um, yeah, I just can't think of anything up. Like I said, everything because even games that like I get into now that's oh they're out of print. Like um, Kurt, uh, Fury of Dracula is out of print. Well, another company bought it, and I now have a copy of it. Instead of spending three hundred fifty bucks for the original, I paid sixty bucks for the the reprint of it. Yeah. Um, well, and and that was a that was a thing with me. Like if if this question were asked to me uh, two years ago, um, I would have thrown two games out there. One of them would have been Solar Quest, which, you know, uh, it's basically Monopoly in our solar system, and it is what it is. 
but it was one of those games that when I was a kid, I actually played it a lot with my family, and it was just a lot of fun. But they reprinted it. Um, they updated the rules some, but it's basically the same game. And I think I got that last year, if I'm not mistaken, maybe the year before. And then, but the the one that I would love for them to reprint is, I believe it's called Thunder Road. That game is amazing, and I just I want it to come back. So it, whoever can get the licensing for that, please get it. And you change the rules, update it. I'm cool with that. But it was such a fun game. There's a push right now for restoration games to take that on. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Update so there, it. I, if you're familiar with restoration games, uh, they did Fireball Island about two years ago. Uh, they're getting ready to release Dark Tower. Ooh, so yeah. They're doing an updated version of Dark Tower. And uh, Hero Quest has been something that's been uh, on their radar. And now Thunder Road is something that might be on their radar as well. Oh, that'd be fantastic. All right, well, so what plugs do you guys have this week? Anything? Game again, August 15th. What's that? Game again, August 15th. Game again. That's awesome. Not breaking too many laws with that in Illinois. <coughs> Sorry, did I say that out loud? Well, we're going to be socially distanced. It'll be fine. Okay. All right. Sounds good. What do you got, Radius? Anything? Uh, man, I don't plug anything. So, like I said, I just work. Uh, I just I just work. <laughs> just work, man. Uh, pretty much anything I would plug, you're getting ready to plug, so there's no yeah. point in doing double plugs. So. That's fine. Plug away. All right, cool. So, um, you know, it's it's very fitting that we we're doing this topic today. So um, I'd like to plug Cataclysm Games in, uh, I believe it's Loves Park, Illinois. Machesney. Uh, Machesney. That's what I said. Machesney Park, Illinois. Sorry, guys. Um, fantastic place, uh, a lot of miniatures, um, really good selection of games, very affordable, um, great group of people, uh, through all this, they've kept their, their employees going, which is awesome, you know, uh, with, with all the uncertainty going on and then they're hiring. Yeah, I saw that. And if I was retired and, or just didn't care about working, that would be the job I'd work at. But then the other one would be it's Top Cut Comics. There's uh, two locations in Rockford. Uh, we still call it Tomorrow's Yesterday. It is what it is. Um, they're fantastic. They got a lot of board games. I mean, they do comics and cards and all that, but they, they've got a pretty good selection of board games as well. So definitely plugging them. And that is pretty much all I have for plugs today, unless there's something, because the gaming goat closed in town, and that made me cry because yeah, well, that was a great place. Won. What's that? Ooh, hobby store. Hobby. Oh yeah, that was my first experience in a gaming store. Picked yeah. up uh, Star Wars Second Edition, uh, Western Games, like three books from there. Which we still got to play that. Yes, we do. And that'll be another topic for another day. So that is uh, the Game Files podcast on our topic of board games. Radus, it was good to talk to you. Good to talk as always. See you soon. And then, Jason, thanks for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Adios, Internet. All right. Take care, people. Laters. Peace. The Cones of Dunshire, a brand-new gaming experience. Eight to 12 players, two wizards, a maverick, the arbiter, two warriors, a corporal, and a ledgerman. Now, the ledgerman just keeps score, and he wears this hat. Oh boy. Now the object is to accumulate cones. Four cones wins, but in order to get a cone you have to build a civilization. The other amazing thing is 
the challenge play. Actually, let me tell you more about the trivia cards because you're going to need to know about roadblocks first. No, never mind. Think about challenge play. Is it's basically the game in reverse. Then you roll three dice to see how many dice you roll with. Oh, 16. Perfect. Lots of choices. <laughs>